Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Heroes of the Storm. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games, and sometimes movies, and very rarely a TV show. Uh, but today we're talking about games! Yay! Um, Mango and I have been playing... So, uh... Mango and I have been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm. There was a big promotion where if you play... For first, if you play 15 games with your friends, you can get a special Genji skin for Overwatch. Um, then if you play 30 games with friends, you can get a whole bunch of heroes for free, which is, you know, super great. I think these kinds of promotions are uh, especially awesome uh, for games that scale up their library of content all the time, like Heroes of the Storm does. Um... Yeah, and also in the course of that, I, I, I think you're guaranteed to get the Hearthstone card back if, uh, if you're doing that. Like, oh uh, yeah, I, I did get the Hearthstone card back. It's a good, uh, it's a good idea. Yeah, so so we we managed to reap a whole bunch of rewards. It was it was both of our first real foray into into Heroes of the Storm. Would you say that's accurate for you? Yeah, I had played literally one game once. Uh, where I played as Arthas in a quick match with a bunch of people who are level 40, uh, which is one of the worst ways, I think, that you can introduce people to uh, to a game like this. Um, and uh, Which is what I... we've done to several of our friends with League of Legends, which is yeah, probably right? <laughs> You know, sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been down on Overwatch, or sorry, I've been down on Heroes of the Storm pretty harshly, right? Uh, I've been a League fanboy. Like, League was really the first MOBA that ever gripped me. I was never a huge Dota guy, uh, and I didn't do anything like, you know, here's a New Earth or anything like that. Um, so I've always been pretty firmly in League's camp, and I'm still pretty firmly in League's camp to a certain extent. But what our games here have shown me, so to speak, especially because I have a lot of distance between what I've last, like, played League hard, uh, which at this point was, you know, oh my god, it was literally seven months ago to the day. Um... Uh, is the kind of perspective to see that Heroes of the Storm and League, even though they're theoretically similar games, right? You know, like they're both MOBAs or whatever, right? It really doesn't properly describe what the purposes of each game are and and what and what makes those games uh and what makes the games kind of like unique and special i think blizzard have done something very smart here which is not to make a league clone right they are not trying to be uh uh they're not trying to compete with league on a one-to-one -one level uh in the sense of filling that same niche uh uh for players right i think that they have decided to uh kind of you know uh They've just they've decided to kind of move in parallel, um, but a little bit off off that same track. So uh, the two the two games are are pretty different. Yeah, no, I, I think the operate they 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 uh, fill. Whereas like say a game like League and Dota kind of compete for the same niche, I think that League and Hots fill different niches the same way that say Overwatch versus Titanfall two versus. Rainbow Six Siege all feel kind of, and CSGO all feel kind of different niches in the first-person shooter genre, even though they are all first-person shooters. Yeah, that is uh, that is uh, fairly soon. I mean, so I was actually talking to somebody about it at work today, uh, and I was talking about Here's the Storm, and they were like, hey, buddy, you know, we know that you're a huge League of Legends guy. Uh, what, you know, like, I thought, I thought you played League, and I was like, so, yes, 
I'm a big League of Legends guy, and I still think that League of Legends is the better game when it comes to being a game like League of Legends, right, which is trying to be a sport, right, which is trying to be highly, highly competitive um, and, uh, and, and very crisp uh, when it comes to that competition, right? But I don't think Heroes of the Storm wants to do that, right? In fact, when we brought it up, uh, when we were just kind of chatting with friends, one of our friends started talking about how Heroes of the Storm was a bad esport and, like, the esports scene never really took off and all of these, you know, uh, esports teams had disbanded and everything. And I actually kind of looked at that almost as proof that, like, this principle is working sort of as intended. To me, Heroes of the Storm, like, League of Legends is the baseball to Heroes of the Storm's, like, kickball, or, like, wiffle ball, right? Like, yeah, you could play that at a hyper-competitive level, but it would probably be boring and uninteresting, and once you actually iron out what that game looks like, you know, with, like, the very, very tippy-top peak of uh, kind of hyper-competitive players, it's not very fun. But if you're just a bunch of you know, little kids in gym class, kickball is awesome. Kickball and wiffle ball are tons of fun, right? Oh, oh, and I think, I think you that's... You step it up a little bit from that, right? Like, I could think you could even call hot something like, like a company softball team, right? Like, what you have yeah, like a company uh, yeah, they, softball league, right? Exactly, like, it's not something right, yeah. super competitive, but it's something that you do for fun and you enjoy and you, you do in, like... like I, I could see, like, doing, like, you know, like, like, like a, a less competitive league especially with people our age being more tuned into games, doing, like, HOTS is, like, a thing, rather than going hardcore in on, say, Dota or LoL, which are more technical games. Yeah, and I used to read that as just kind of casuals, right? I was like, oh, you know, like, oh, these these fucking casuals running around thinking, ho, 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 they just don't know, <laughs> right, or whatever, because, you know, yeah, we all can fucking be casuals. <laughs> yeah, we can all be pieces of shit from time to time. Probably want to um, play their MOBAs on a console. But I, you know, I had, but, you know, having had a, you know, a couple of months outside of playing a MOBA is coming back into a new MOBA uh, is especially one that is just like so radically different. One of the things that kills me about League, it also kills me a little bit about Overwatch is it feels like I can't just pick up and play, if that makes sense, because like there's a meta, right? And there's a... um you know, like, there's a set of strategies and, and champions that I need to constantly be up on and that are constantly changing. And that's a very engaging thing. You know, I don't want to, like, knock that for, for Leak having had that uh, kind of thing. But um, when it comes to Heroes of the Storm, I kind of appreciate that it, it is much more low-key than that. And I don't really feel that same kind You know, like, League of Legends will get to the point where I gear up and I play a full 45-minute game, and I'm like, okay, cool, that's my warm-up game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now let's now let's do it for real kind of thing. But I don't get that same kind of feeling with, uh, with Heroes of the Storm for a variety of reasons, but most of them are design decisions that Blizzard have made in order to accentuate the game being essentially about having a bunch of fun, you know, in, like, in, a, in a team group setting. Uh, than it is about uh, competing, you know, like getting that like thrill of competition at at a high level. Well, while I agree with that, I am curious to see if, um, if I can stick with it long enough, if that holds true at level forty at max level, um, because I, I think that you could have also have said that pretty fairly about low level league when you're just kind of playing through those, um, the, those you know those initial thirty levels, especially when we started playing back before like it was kind of. <laughs> Over, that, uh, that is that is the point that I do want to make here is I almost do feel like league back you know it like backed up into this kind of 
game, like like this kind of game space. When I think of what League was like originally, right? Like when I was playing back in season, I mean before, you know, like back in season one and everything. Um, a big, big part of the game was like how free and open and metaless it was, right? You know, it wasn't until season one worlds uh, that we ever got such thing as a meta. Um, and and that's still a little bit true of low level, low level League of Legends play, but it's something that has bled down. I got entirely to level 30, right? Doing, you know, Warwick Fiddlesticks top lane, right? Or like Udyr, you know, like, or, you know, what whatever random things because like a meta hadn't crystallized by that point. Yeah, and, and um, I think a big part of that too, just, just for kind of a history lesson, is League was in a lot of ways a reaction to the very hardcoreness of Dota. Yeah. Um, and so League was trying to occupy that space, and then it kind of moved into the median space of, like, very technical, but not so technical that it had a lot of the, the kind of breakpoints that Dota does. Um, and I think HOTS is kind of a reaction to even that to make something even more accessible. Um, I, this is kind of actually, it, it's interesting to see this, because this has also been happening in, in the fighting games um, community. You, you've seen a couple of games pop up that are much less technical than your Street Fighters and your Blast Blues and your... Um, and your King of Fighters, like um, like Dive Kick and uh, um, oh, what was the name? Funnily enough, I can't remember the name of the company, but it was a game that was purchased by Riot Games and then subsequently shut down. Oh yeah, what was the what was that game? Uh, uh, Rocket Hammer, so, something uh, something like that. It, it, it's dead Rocket now. Rocket Hammer. <laughs> yeah, it is dead now. Yeah, it was the um, robots game. Yeah, but the the thing there was that there was no execution. You just had abilities on buttons, and you could press them, and uh, and you you get them reliably, but they were on cooldowns. And that was kind of the balancing mechanism there is that you didn't have to be as kind of knowledgeable about the, about the kind of the game, the, the execution mechanics as you would in a street fighter game. I think this right. is kind of uh, occupying a sim similar space, a game that's, you know, uh, yeah, much easier to execute on and so much easier to approach, which is kind of legendarily the, the hardest part about MOBAs is, is the learning curves that are like a wall. Um, oh, definitely. And I think Blizzard is incredibly, I like, I like, I want to give them, credit i think blizzard are some of the smartest devs out there right uh but i really think they deserve a lot of credit for kind of whoever you know whatever high level executive people thought they the, saw heroes of the story and they were like wait 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 wait. let's not let's not make a new ip out of this right let's use our old ip because what something that it allows you to do is you can piggyback on the fan base right when i play varian rin and all of varian rin's abilities are essentially like uh, like warrior abilities from world of warcraft when i play tracer and all of tracer's abilities are like her abilities in overwatch right when i play uh well, lost you know, vikings <laughs> and you know and, and it yeah, works so for some people and it doesn't right but the idea but the idea that you know okay i've played the solo missions as kerrigan and zeratul and rainer in starcraft 2 so i have a good sense for how they work in an isometric setting like this and that is just a really really smart approach to this kind of uh of game design because it does uh, you know, lessen the burden of knowledge by a whole hell of a lot. I mean, you know, just the fact that I can pick up Muradin and I'm like, oh, this is Storm King, right? I can pick up Samuro and go, oh, this, you know what I mean? This is... Uh, Phantom um, Dancer? Phantom Dancer? You mean uh, a Blade Master? Um, is that the... Is he the one that makes the clone Samuro? Yeah. That's Phantom Dancer. Or at least it reminded me of Phantom Dancer. It also, it, it had both of them. It has, it has the Whirlwind Ultimate, but it also has the... The, the clones, which is which is Phantom Dancer. Um, I think Who's that's his name. Phantom Dancer? From Dota. 
Okay, I didn't play too oh, much okay. Dota, yeah. so I only played the dwarven sniper in Dota. Oh, okay. But I was, I was, I was, I was yeah. a nub. <laughs> but, 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 but even you know, um, is it Zagara, the the hive queen? She plays like she plays like a like you're playing Starcraft, right? Obviously not that intense, but like yeah. you're clicking and you're deploying things and you're just kind of calling down stuff, and it feels like a you know a, a like a what's it like the essence of Starcraft boiled into a hero, and yeah. I think I think that's a super super good thing on their part that 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 uh. Blizzard has done that they've 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 made they managed to capture the essence of a lot of these other games inside of these heroes and, and I'm, I'm actually super impressed by that. I'm like, waiting for them to capture the essence of Hearthstone. Uh, that's what I really want. You know, like draw the the is like yeah the keeper. He draws a card, I guess, and maybe the the W is just like RNG. It rolls a die from like one to ninety nine, and on a ninety nine, it kills the enemy hero. Like. <laughs> no, I, I, I bet you. So you draw cards, and each of the cards is one of your abilities. And when you play, and every so like every couple seconds, you gain a mana, and then you can play the cards for their mana cost, and it gets replaced with a random one from the quote unquote deck. Okay, well, I was making a joke, but that's a legit champion design right there. Yeah, I, you know, but I think stuff like that actually works a lot. One of the things that I think hamstrings a little bit uh, the the leaks and the dotas of the world is that kind of like like ironclad adherence to super high level play yeah but no, one of absolutely. the things that uh in heroes of the storm you can have a champion like abathur or, or you can have a champion like chogal who i guess you just can't play chogal unless two people yeah, with him you have exist. to play two of them yeah. and yeah and you could never i you could never pull something like that off in league of legends right even when i i, I think league of legends recently has been going with a lot of out there concepts right ivern uh is is a pretty out there kind of champion uh even kled uh uh feels you know like he like he's pretty pretty different you know azir is, is pretty uh you know not a very like straightforward like not a very easy champion or whatever um but even those guys pale in comparison to some of the champions running around heroes of the fucking storm, right? Like Asmodan, who has a, an ability that does damage to turrets, right? Like how broken would this be in a game like League of Legends? It's an ability that does damage to turrets that you can cast from halfway across the map. Yeah. You can just sit there. But like in a, in a see, and in a game like League of Legends, that would actually be very dangerous to a certain extent. Um, there's a reason that champion abilities don't, do damage to structures, right? Uh, because over the course of a 45-minute game, yeah, a 10-second blast like that, a 10-second cooldown on a blast like that is uh, is pretty fucking short. But in something like Heroes, uh, the games are so quick that you can't you can't afford to just like sit back and spam. Yeah, that that blast. I, I also think that part of that is that like I think the damage numbers in um, Heroes is is much lower. Um, like I, I feel. True. I feel like each individual spell cast does pulls a lot less off of a champion's health bar um, than they do in LOL. And LOL feels... Well, I remember when I started playing LOL, it felt that the same way, that leap from Dota and Han to, um, to LOL, that LOL felt like it pulled off a lot less health per ability. Um, and so I, part of the side effect of that is it leaves a lot more room for error, right? Like it's... You get, you get a lot... I also feel like the spells are a lot spammier in, in each success. Like, you know, LOL is spammier than Dota. Hots is spammier than LOL. And that allows for more margin of error, right? Like, instead of, you know, you know missing one Nidley Spear being, like, a good portion of your damage, right? Like, you get to check five Nidley Spears, and they don't do as much damage, but you kind of hit, like, the average expected value of that a lot more consistently. Sure. Um, 
And I think that leads to essentially more more casual, friendly gameplay, right? Because you don't have to be as accurate. You just have to be all right, which is which is is fine because that that's the design they're going for. Yeah, and I also think the same thing applies to to maps. In League of Legends, there are no objectives uh, besides the structures. Um, so there's, you know, the ability for a champion to just spam down structures is literally. You know that like those are the objectives to be taken essentially um, in League of Legends, but because all of these Heroes of the Storm maps have very unique extra bonus objectives, uh, a champion like Asmodan, who's just like sitting and turreting, you know, in a single lane, is actually being a huge draw on his team if he's not playing the map uh, the way that you know it needs to essentially be played. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I think I, on that note, I think the objectives are, are actually a very cool way to mix up the gameplay, but I'm also not convinced that they would work in, in a more hardcore game. I don't know. I'm, I am absolutely convinced they would not work. Yeah. Just because like, I am sure that there are heroes that are broken on the different maps in the Heroes of Storm. Like, again, I, you know, like, like you said, I don't know the meta. I don't really care about the meta and I'm not convinced I need to know about the meta for a long time, if ever. Um, yeah. And so that makes I really it okay. To know. I really don't want to yeah, know about right. the meta. Um, and, and that makes it okay for these objectives to be so varied and certain heroes to be much better on certain maps because it doesn't... It, I, I, I don't feel when, like, you know, maybe we've got a bad comp for a certain map, but I don't really feel that, right? Like, sometimes mm -hmm. I feel, like, the pain of having a bad comp overall, but I don't feel like, you know, oh, if we had a better you know, pick comp, let's say it'd be better for the nuke map. I'm just, just to throw out a random potential example. Um, you know, I, I don't feel that pain. So I don't feel as aggravated about like what, what is essentially the randomness of the maps, right? We, we have yeah. to, to, to be clear to the audience, we've only played quick matches. We've never done any of the drafting modes, which I think, um, would, would be an interesting kind of, uh, do, do the drafting modes show you the map? I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't I see my understanding was that it was random. Uh, I was actually thinking that. So I was actually thinking that uh, the. See, because uh, you can actually make a high level game with rotating maps like this, right? Like Starcraft has had this for forever. CSGO obviously has this kind of things in a weird way. League of Legends is actually kind of unique in that it plays only on one map uh, and has and kind of like you know, like in, in the greater scheme of competitive video gaming, uh, multiple maps is actually the norm and few maps is something unique to games in that Dota League of Legends vein. And I but but I actually think that it was very smart of them to pull that from kind of those other games in order to shift up the, the gameplay because I think that balancing effect is something that really, really does affect the meta, right? I think if you can say, you know, in the same way that in Overwatch, right, Tracer is super, super good at a map like, um, shit, what's a good map? Uh, the, what, what is the, uh, sh I can't even remember what they're called. Um, 
uh, Nepal, uh, those those capture the 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 King of the Hill maps, right? Trace is really good at those maps because they're super horizontal. There's not a lot of vertical um, running around in those maps, uh, but she is comparatively much worse in a map like the Temple of Anubis, which has a whole lot of verticality to it, right? And so, depending on what map you're in, Tracer and or Genji is the right kind of assassin-y uh, character, like flanker character for, for your, for your composition. Right. Uh, and in the same way, right. Like, you know, Asmodan in a map, like the Zerg beacons, um, is, uh, is much more powerful than he is in a map like the haunted temples, I want to say, um, because the Zerg beacons is all about how, you know, like how much, can you quickly deal damage to these structures, right? Like, can you just, like, power through uh, these structures? Um, but the Haunted Temples has very little to do with structures. Being able to siege well, being able to, to you know, uh, uh, attack turrets uh, and walls and fountains and everything is just not a skill that's that's very needed on the, on the Haunted Temples map. And so that kind of thing, I think, shakes up the tier lists that kind of get created for stuff like this um, and makes it so it's not like, well, you have to pick or ban Yasuo on every map because it's like, well, there's only one. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that that requires... What that would require, though, is that you do know the map ahead of time, because otherwise, then you have to pick generalist heroes that are good on every map, um, for risk of not having, uh, you know, like a good hero for the map. If if you follow what I'm saying. Um, do I follow what you're saying? Yeah, but I also think that it's that you know that's one of those things where it's kind of like, uh, I don't think Esmodan is useless on a map like Haunted Temples. He's just kind of not optimal for it, and I definitely don't want to confuse that lack of like optimization. Like if if it was about if like rank shows me the map I'm about to play on, absolutely that happens, right? Um, but with the random maps, uh, I feel like it's it should be you know you might get a super boost if you're on this one this one map, but otherwise. You know, you're pretty much fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I I feel like if if you're seeing the maps, if you're not seeing the maps first, then you then then you pick more centralizing heroes because you know that you will always have a a decent shot at whatever map you're going to. It's it's a huge risk. Um, and then this is actually this is at like the the higher level of prayer, like heroes of the dorm and whatever quasi professional leagues they've been trying to establish. Um. That's true. And we um, also just, like, talked about how that kind of thing is the wrong approach. <laughs> yeah. um, and, I, and, and, again, I, I think I think that's good for – so, so for, for the, the casual player, I think that's good because, you know, you can always, you know, you can always be justified in picking the off-meta hero because, oh, maybe we'll get the map that I'm good at. And so right. it's, it's worth – so I, I think that's valuable. I, I also think that, like, um, that – the, the level of seriousness you'd approach Hotsmith has to has to be less. Although I'm not in tune with the community, are you very in tune with the community? How you know how seriously the community takes Heroes of the Storm? Uh, I actually subscribed to the subreddit, and I found it a magical place compared to the League of Legends subreddit, which is. Uh, uh, probably not that high of a bar to hit. Something that I found was very interesting was people really liked Blizzard as like a developer, like from a balance perspective. I read I read through the comments on a balance on a set of patch notes essentially, uh, 
<laughs> and uh, um, what ended up happening was the 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 patch notes were full of people saying, oh man, you know, like, yeah, I thought, man, I really thought Diablo was too strong as a tank, but these are really good nerfs to get him into place, right? You know, which was, which is such an opposite thing of what I expect from the League of Legends subreddit, which is constant bitching and whining. Like, do you, you, you know what I mean? Rito, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everything is like, you know, and everything is like Rito Pliss and all of this like dumb bullshit uh, that I think of is just, I don't know. I was impressed, I guess, at how much how much more positive the community was. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's good to know because I feel like if they take it too seriously, then this kind of all goes out the window. Yeah. I, I I think I think that will so my my prediction is that that will probably be the way that this goes just because I think that's why Lee got to the place where it's at is that as it gets more popular, people want to take it more seriously. And so changes get made so that it gets played more seriously. Um, and I think that it will eventually, this game will eventually get there. But for the moment, it's kind of nice to bask in the, the casualness. So I, I think when it gets to that point though, it'll start to fall apart. And maybe that's already happened, right? Like as we said, our, our, uh, our friend, who is who's kind of in the know has, has said that, that most of the HOTS organizations have kind of fallen apart. Um, and so uh, if that's already happened, I guess this, this game kind of just exists as a casual. Yeah, um, and I really do want to resist the urge to kind of use that to condemn the game because I don't think that oh, yeah. it is evidence, essentially, right? Uh, I think, you know, the friend of ours who will go unnamed uh, to save his dignity as I brutalize him with my wondrous arguments uh that i I, th I think he's he's approaching it from the wrong perspective to try and like look at it from a well if it's a successful esport it's a successful game otherwise it's an unsuccessful game um i think there have been games you know i, I don't really think wow has ever been much of a successful esport there have always been like an esport aspect to it right but it has clearly been a, a successful game and its most successful periods were before anything like twitch or anything like like that even existed right um so yeah, but I think, viewing I think it through that kind of lens is misleading uh see i don't know if i agree with you because i think that we have we haven't had a moba that's been successful in its own right they've all kind of been successful in kind of this 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 concept of being a competitive game um that it kind of tends towards this esports like aspect um and while i'm while i think you're right it can be a successful game i don't think it can be a a super success if, if if that makes sense right like you won't get you know the 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 downloads that you get on wow or league of legends that you get on on hots other than kind of bleed over from from the other blizzard ips um i don't i don't think it can stand on its own as a hyper successful game without kind of that that competitive aspect i think that's the really the lifeblood of, of the genre if that's true, so if that's true, I think the metric should be lowered to what is the difference between a hyper successful and just a successful game. Sure. Uh, you know, I you know I think you know you, we we were talking about Rainbow Six Siege. You know, I think a game like Rainbow Six Siege kind of comes out and does get drowned out by the Overwatch uh, kind of like bluster and hubbub, um, and 
I think that means that Rainbow Six Siege is not a hyper-successful game, right? You know, it hasn't dominated the culture or the community or the genre or anything like that. Uh, But there's clearly been a lot of support. There's a really powerful, dedicated player base there. There's definitely Uh, success there. Yeah, right. Yeah, like there's definitely, you know, there's definitely some success. Um, And I think think Heroes of the Storm probably will end up living. Like, you know, like not, not every movie has to be Civil War- Right, you know, sure. which I think is the the most profitable movie of the year, right? In order to be, you know, just because, uh, just because Batman vs Superman only made, you know, nine hundred million dollars, doesn't mean that it's not a success. And in the same way, just because Heroes of the Storm, maybe Heroes of the Storm has half, maybe Heroes of the Storm has a quarter of the daily, you know, user base or the monthly user base of something like League of Legends or Dota. But I still, I would still say that, you know, it's probably a successful game, even with, you know, not obscenely crazy giant balloon numbers. Oh, oh, oh for, for sure, for sure. It's just, it just kind also, of... by the way, to prove a point, I'd want to say that on the t- on the front page of the Heroes of the Storm subreddit with 771 upvotes, not a very big community. There's a PSA that says brawls are meant to be diverse. You may not enjoy every brawl, but that doesn't mean that others don't. Accept the brawl and wait for next week like every other player. Like, that's this is the kind of thing that I feel like I would never see on the League of Legends subreddit. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, 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 absolutely. Um, and, and I think that, like, I, I like, like uh, the reason I kind of put it in these terms is that Blizzard doesn't have, like, a track record of putting out, like, merely successful games, if that makes, like, it, it, that sounds kind of haughty, but that's kind of, like, the Blizzard way, right? Like, you, you kind of fine-tune things, then you have the MMO that killed all MMOs, or, like, the online trading card game that killed all online trading card games or like the first person shooter that redefined the genre in a lot of ways, right? Like having kind of, you know, this okay MOBA is kind of just not, is, is not Blizzard's style. I don't think. Um, and I hope that, that, that they're okay with that. If that makes sense, I could see a world where Blizzard decides that because Hots is not this hyper successful over the top, property that it gets relegated to a different place um which would be unfortunate i have a feeling i have a feeling that blizzard looks at this game as like a moderate success i don't know you know like people get very attached to games even when they're not like super hardcore hugely breakout games uh, and this is just you know like working working at a video game company right there are games that square has come out with that aren't you know final fantasy 14 is a is a break the bank kind of hyper success game right it's we don't i mean i don't know subscriber numbers to the you know to the the, to the digit right uh but it is obviously one of the most you know successful continuing mmorpgs and it's entering its third or fourth year right of like a really dedicated uh uh player base right um but that doesn't mean that people don't love the final fantasy 11s of the world right uh even from like a development perspective uh the same thing is true for you know stuff like even like one-off games right like kingdom hearts uh or whatever some of them kind of fall by the wayside but i have yet to see a game that has like a continuous uh kind of support structure where the team isn't dedicated to its support structure. I, I, you know, I think there are games like Infinite Crisis that are kind of like startups that burn through all of their runway and never quite 
caught on. Um, but Blizzard is a developer that doesn't really deal in that kind of development. Um, yeah. So, you know, th- there is no such thing as like a one-off Blizzard game. Yeah, but there's also never been some no such thing as a as a non-hyper successful Blizzard game. Even like kind of the the quote unquote stinkers of the group, which I guess are Diablo and StarCraft, are are, are you know StarCraft Two sells on on name and alone, and people bitch about Diablo Three for for forever, but it sold like gangbusters too. Um, uh, yeah, but I also think that Diablo. And it, it, interestingly enough, I think that Diablo and StarCraft are unique in that they they aren't like long-term revenue generators for the company heroes of the storm hearthstone uh and world of warcraft and overwatch by the way um all have kind of ongoing structures where you can continuously pay into the game but diablo and starcraft are structured the opposite way you buy it once and you basically have it good to go um Starcraft and Diablo are both picking up that kind of DLC model in that, you know, like now the Necromancer hero that's coming out with the Diablo anniversary is going to be uh, something you purchase. And Starcraft has some of those map packs, uh, right? Like the Nova map packs or whatever. Um, But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think that, I think that, you know, Starcraft and Diablo are actually a good example of how Blizzard is okay with its kind of like mediocrity, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I I feel like at this point it's only time will tell. Um, it's also kind of a good a good uh, as, as terrible as it's gonna sound. Here's the storm is a good nursing home for like old characters that either aren't present or are dead in in the lore otherwise, right? Like, yeah, I you know I actually think that that kind of thing is super uh effective just from a like Blizzard has created a valuable IP. No other game developer basically at all maybe nintendo does this with super smash brothers uh can really make the same thing happen well yeah actually now that i think about it it's super, super, smash super smash brothers is the exact same thing but but, uh, but, but even super but smash brothers has to i think you're absolutely right though it's only it's only nintendo and blizzard they're the yeah. only types of people with, with that kind of weight and that diverse uh a variety of characters to make either of these types of games one, one is kind of like an arcade brawler one being a, a moba be a reality. I think. I think. Yeah. Like for the well, record, you, know, you could you make do? an you could make a Blizzard arcade brawler mm. and a Nintendo MOBA, and then you'd be great. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I know. I'm just trying to think. Like Bethesda. Maybe you could do it with Square Enix. I mean, there's a million Final Fantasies. People love that game. You got Cloud. Yeah, you but got... so, so, but that, that, that's all kind of self-contained wow. to Final Fantasy stuff, right? Maybe I, you could do Adam Jensen. <laughs> I don't yes. know. I, I don't think. Jensen, we, I don't think Final other. I, yeah, I mean, I also don't think other games cultivate their IPs in the same way, right? Yeah. Uh, the cross pollinization between Warcraft and Hearthstone uh, re- is really telling, I think. Uh, or the kind of thing where, like, you know, uh, Overwatch skins reference other, you know, like reference like Starcraft. Here's the Storm skins reference Star. You know, like that kind of like heavy cross pollinization that 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 Blizzard does is something that only Blizzard can do, right? Not even Nintendo does that kind of heavy cross pollinization, right? Like it's not like I get, you know, power-ups in Mario for playing Metroid, right? I don't even get a Metroid game. Uh <laughs> yeah, um I think there's some exceptions, but but you, you you're absolutely correct. Blizzard does it the best and the most Frequently, the most you get is kind of like a costume or something, right? Like, um, final, like to bring it back to Square Enix, Final Fantasy is kind of famous for having um, costumes of other games' protagonists being available for purchase in some way. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, 
Yeah, like um, the lightning, uh, the lightning glamour in fourteen is literally that. But uh, but nothing, nothing is as heavy, and nothing's as like built in as kind of like the the gameplay reward crossbow, right? Like we yeah. played Heroes of the Storm to get an Overwatch skin. That's why we did this, yep. right? Like no, yep. there is nothing I've ever done. I also, you know, I like also that. really want to say that it is so smart of Heroes of the Storm with a library like this to be giving away big chunks of their champions for effective for just super super cheap um especially because like you know if league of legends were to have done something like this um uh you know where it you you walk into the game and you instantly get a bunch of uh, a bunch of champions that like rotate like i think one of the problems is Le the way league of legends approaches this stuff is actually kind of not dynamic um Everyone who walks into the game walks in with Nunu and Sivir and Ash because those are the cheap heroes or whatever. But saving up to the Yasuos of the world is like a huge, huge pain point. But this rotated, you know, like Greymane and Lee Ming would have been a huge, and, and Oriel, right? They would have been a huge pain point for us to have saved up for but because we took advantage of like this limited time thing it feels like i'm cashing in on a sale which which is like a more dynamic way of uh, of kind of pricing out their champions and i do want to give them credit for that no i, I absolutely I, I think these this kind of like you can't have it be always on because then otherwise it kind of loses its value. But like, yeah, you know. well, I mean, if you have it always on, then it's literally the problem that League of Legends have, where everybody has the exact same roster of uh, right. kind of like leg up champions. Um, it's kind of like very strategic. Like we're gonna get them in for fifteen games to get the Overwatch skin because everybody will do that, and if they like it, we'll get them in for fifteen more for yeah. for the and, and then we've probably got them hooked. Which I'm actually I actually segues into my next point is that. I don't know how long I'm going to stick with this game. I'm going to be able to stick with this game. Because um, I am rapidly feel myself going in two directions. I feel myself, one, either not caring enough about the game to, to continue on it for hard for much longer. Or two, um, the other thing I feel myself doing is getting aggravated at people for not taking the game seriously enough, which I think is the wrong thing. Uh, I do feel that, and I do get aggravated a little bit about that. But something that I think is unique to Heroes of the Storm is it's a game that doesn't demand my attention uh, the way that some other... You know, like, one of the things that's nice... And maybe this is just because of the place that we are in. Um, one of the things that's very nice about Heroes of the Storm uh, is that it feels like I could go... You know, like last night, right? Um, we, I, I went and I did Mythic Plus on World of Warcraft for a couple of hours because all of my friends, you know, like we were all doing whatever. Uh, but the, but the previous couple of nights, I, I had just been, you know, spamming Heroes of the Storm, and I could not play Heroes of the Storm for a week, right? I could just be like hardcore going in on WoW uh, because you know, you know, maybe everybody's doing whatever. Um, but um, I feel like if I were to pick up Heroes of the Storm after that week, I would be fine. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I have to get, you know, a game like League of Legends, it feels like if I don't practice every day, I'm not doing it right. right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. taking it seriously. Like, get, getting back into League right now would be a pain in the ass for both of us. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and, and it also, it, you know, this plays into the little things, right? Like how, like, you know, my first League of Legends games at the night feels like a warm up. It doesn't feel like a real game, right? It's just like, kind of like, a, okay, let's like get the blood pumping kind of thing, um, which is a very sportsy kind of thing. Um, but it's not, you know, it, it isn't the same kind of feeling I get when I'm playing Heroes of the Storm. So I don't think, you know, I think if I played it like League, I would probably get burnt out on it pretty hard. 
But uh, I think playing it in a more casual sense of just like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Nah, let's play some Heroes of the Fucking Storm, right? Like, that feels like a much more kind of loose but freeing thing uh, is is nice. Yeah, no, I, I think I definitely agree with it. I think that's fair. Uh, what's your favorite map uh, is is the other question that I had. Oof. Um, I like, I think I like uh, Nukes the best. Really? Um it's either nukes, it's either nukes or the um the, the the bell towers, um, the bell towers too. Those are both interesting answers because I think I like Raven Lord's tribute, and the one where you farm the bosses in the tunnels or the sorry oh, you yeah. farm the uh the the undead in the tunnels. I love those two. That's really interesting. I'm surprised that we had such different answers. Yeah, well, I I think I think it's just kind of like, I don't, a lot of them are, are kind of like the same. Basic idea, like I think the only really big different one around them is, is the bell towers, right? Like that one's yeah a very radically different way to play the game. And I just kind of like it because it's like very team fighty around um, specific objectives, which I in, in, enjoy a lot. Um, but a lot of them, nukes included, is kind of like fight for this objective to gain some advantage in pushing, which you eventually use to win the game in, tr- in traditional fashion. Um, mm-hmm. And I like. I think I like I like nukes because it's kind of like something I have very direct control over. If I win it and I pick up that nuke, I get to like launch it and see exactly what I did. Whereas kind of like you know it, with with the other ones, it's almost the other all the other maps. It's kind of like a contributory thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I helped do this, and that means eventually I got you know this like I helped this thing come to life, and then it did some stuff on its own. Um, uh, the other the other thing just to to kind of put a under underline on it is. Um, there are some maps where you kind of control an objective and then somebody gets to pick up like a, a super character. And I like those maps when I get to be the super character, but I like them a lot less when I don't, which is kind of, you know, just the, the, the way it, it, it goes. Interesting. Because um, like I think the super characters are super cool and awesome, but I don't feel that if I'm not getting to do it. Um, I have never done one of the super characters, so... You've never played, like, the dragon map or the the plant map, I think, is the other one? I, I have played both of them, but I have, I have not personally been oh. the dragon or the plant. Yeah, um, and, and I, I think that, I think that's kind of like, I think the game's kind of, like, the hope is that everybody kind of gets a chance to use them, but the kind of reality is that, like, whoever's in the vicinity or, you know, um, I, th- I think that's also kind of the, the weaker points of the game because that's the only part of the game that I think has really any ripe area for abuse, um, which, you know, like, like, I have never felt that, like, Anything I've been done, like I've never felt trolled or flamed by anything anybody's done on my team, you know. Okay. Um, but I think that like the ability you take, like to to just kind of like snatch that superpower objective and get to have the fun, as it were, is is kind of the only thing that kind of verges on that territory in the game. Huh. Okay, that's fair. I think. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, who would you say your favorite hero is? Um, oof, that's, uh, so I'll give you some, so I like Murky's playstyle, but I'm not great at him. I like Gen's damage and his playstyle, and for tanking, I really like Muradin. Um, I think that's, that's kind of the, the gunmut there. Well, this should surprise very few people, because I have lauded him on this podcast for a long time, but, uh, Varian Rin, 
is my boy. I actually, I you know, I was surprised at how much I liked Varian Wren. I was actually a little bit scared that I would load him up and I'd be like, well, this is bullshit. Uh, but the multi-class play style of Varian Wren, where when he gets his ultimate, he can kind of choose to be a tank, to be kind of like half and half a little bit, uh, and to be like a straight up, you know, like DPS, um, was... It's that's just such a cool thing, uh, and it's and it, it it makes him a lot of fun to 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 play. I don't know. I also I like some of the other characters. I like Asmodan. I like Gul'dan a lot. Gul'dan was uh, was a lot of fun to play in the free week, but I don't know that I'm gonna be able to play him soon. I played Li Ming the other day. She was pretty sweet. Uh, I don't know. I haven't played it. I I really want to play Uther because looking at his kit, I feel like he's the support I will enjoy the most. But I haven't really like hardcore connected with a support. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the game I played as Malfurion, but I only played one game as him, so I kind of want to feel it out a little bit more. I also enjoyed the game I played as Oriel, but again, the, the, you know, the, those are like one-off experiences, so I can't really say if I really like them. I also think that Uther looks neat to me because I'm always I'm always down for some dank stuns. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I, I think that the game has a lot to, to offer, right? Like, for me to go back to, like, I would love to play a game as Cho'Gall with somebody. Just to kind of oh see what that's God, like. Oh, my God, right? I want it so bad. I really want it so bad. Yeah. Um, but, uh, is that is that all we wanted to say about Heroes of the Storm? Uh, you know, I think that's all I had for it. Um, all right, let's move into our weeks. Uh, just notice, folks, if this seems shorter than usual, it is. It's Christmas Eve, and... There are things to do besides talk about video games on Christmas Eve. Happy know, holidays right? to you all. Is, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's, not no, only is it Christmas so, Eve, it's the first night of Hanukkah. So happy oh, wow. ha- happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners out there. Oof. Happy holidays, everyone. I'll just be a good liberal about it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, what have what have you been uh, what have you been playing this week? The Steam sale is also going on. Did you pick up anything crazy? I picked up a bunch of stuff off the Steam sale. I haven't really evaluated much of it yet, but um. The thing that I have been putting a lot of time into is, um, frankly, the best strategy game that Paradox has ever produced. I am, of course, talking about Crusader Kings 2. Oh, um, boy. Um, oh, jeez. That was fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am, I have been very much enjoying it. I, I kind of think, like, I've really gotten into, like, you know, like the... You know, I am this ruler and I am this dynasty. And I found myself doing things like, well, I got to form. I, I I played as Ireland because they're they're a big newbie thing. It was a good thing I felt like to get myself back to the game, become king of Ireland. It's like I need to form a feudal society that way I can, um, that way I can put together a primogenitor as opposed to I forget what my previous, um system was but i need my heir to inherit all of my titles i can't give them to my other son um at various points i was like oh my son kind of sucks maybe if he dies you know my second son will be better you know like i actually do want to say that i do that kind of thing in europa universalis very commonly but from like the opposite perspective because in europa universalis like so much of your power comes from the stat line of your incoming ruler i guess um and so you'll find things like Oh my god, my heir is god awful. Let's make him a general and put him on the front lines and hope to god he dies. <laughs> like like that kind of stuff. This happens very I play a lot of Spain in Europa Universalis cuz they're just so much fun. Uh, but the the starting king you get is not great. He's a 112 king. Uh but his heir is 000, right? And so killing off that heir is like your first priority to try and farm out a better uh Oh uh, yeah. I, I, a 
better one. I, I definitely feel that. So something I did for this game was is I used the ruler designer, which at the first I thought it was it was pretty balanced, it seemed to me. But I realized what the thing is is that the 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 quote unquote kind of cheating aspect of it is that if you give yourself a good set of base trait, like a level four base trait, um, and then you have yourself raise your own air, that air will very likely inherit that very good base trait. So um, the, the, I think part of the, one of the bigger balancing acts is uh, of the game in general is that, um, you know, if you don't have a good base trait, you have to give your kid to someone else to raise. Um, and then they get a bunch of random stuff because they're making all those character decisions. But when you're making those decisions, you make all the right ones, right? It's like, it's like my son was caught stealing food from the pantry. And it's like either, you know, um, you know, either I'll let him be probably develops gluttony, beat it out of him, might develop gluttony, probably resents you. Or like, you know, <laughs> teach him about balance and the right way to eat. It's like, oh, let's pick that one, the one that gives me a virtue, right? Like, and I make that decision every time because obviously I'm, I'm gaming it, right? But the computer kind of makes the decision in the personality of the person that it's playing. And I gotcha. think that's a big part of the balancing issue. Um, yeah. I still thought it was fun and I got to a point where my, my heir did not inherit my trait and I was very angry. Um, and, uh, I actually, but I found myself in this really neat place where it's like, oh, um, this king, he's not going to do it. He actually lost a piece of territory, but he is going to like work super hard to assassinate. Like he got caught assassinating someone. He was just a bastard and he was, you know, hated kingdom on like the verge of collapse, but he like, he, the kingdom was like almost dissolving but he did all these things to keep it from actually completely dissolving and like being overrun by like adventurers and he died and he passed on to his son and once like there's like a you know opinion of a father uh modifier and that mm. falls off after a couple of years and this guy who i tried to have killed failed absolutely loathed my dad right um after a couple of years that wears off um and this one master stroke i gave him a duchy that he wanted um which one, it reduced my penalties because I had too many duchies. Um, he stopped hitting me because of my father. He loved me because of that. And there was a guy who owned a, uh, a, count, uh, a county under him, um, and that guy had a problem with me. But now he's he's that guy's problem. He's the duchy's, the duchy owner's problem. And so with this one master stroke, I turned this guy who hated me into one of my most trusted advisors and got rid of a third problem along the way. I'm like, ah, yes, I am the political machinist of the ages. Um, I, I do really love that experience. It's very funny having that being so personified in Crusader Kings because I have very similar experiences with, with Europa Universalis, but it is much more on, like, the nation state -y kind of level, right? Where, like... I'm not talking about a guy. I'm talking about like, oh my God, I can't believe France just stabbed me in the back. Yeah. Right. You know, like it's the same kind of thing or like it's the same kind of thing, but it's like, I don't know. It's, uh, 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 it's just like weirdly put in a different, in a different context. I think both of those games are honestly, uh, pretty, you know, like pretty oh, yeah. awesome and pretty yeah, yeah. great. Uh, uh, so well, one, anyway. one thing I will, I will say that EU four has over is the ability to do certain things. Like there are periods in the game where I'm spending years just waiting for someone to fabricate a claim so I can go do something. Um, but I think that's also where the game kind of shines a little bit because then you get like a year that's almost all just personal decisions, right? Like things that you are doing to mm -hmm. be a better ruler. Right. Um, but, and you just can't attack anything cause yay. 
I don't have any claims on the rest of whatever. Um, rolling down. I have, I have I have constantly been really impressed with the ability of uh, Europa Universalis to make things other than war very interesting and worth my time. Um, I got super into the trade mechanics uh, when I was playing a big uh, when I was playing a big game of um, uh, of Spain where it was just all about right like i you know where it was like oh can i buy this territory from you oh like you know let me encourage this colony to declare independence so that i can then attack it and subsume its trade power in the node right it was all about this kind of this kind of gameplay which was uh, which was honestly just like so much fun um but uh but yeah I've been playing mostly Heroes of the Storm, but there is something I wanted to talk about. I playtested uh, my kind of finalized version of um, uh, of the mass combat rules uh, that that have gone through a couple of iterations of the podcast. What I ended up coming going with is um, is a version that I had talked about relatively early, um, which was uh, played on a hex grid where unit sizes can be dynamic. Um, and something that I got into was this idea that, um, you know, it's played out on the hex grid, but you can, but like each of the tiles that make up the individual units can be rearranged to a certain extent to allow you to block off an, an attack route or, you know, like all of this, you know, uh, this little kind of stuff. Uh, the playtest was extremely successful. It played out basically exactly as I wanted to. I was really surprised at how kind of steady the damage numbers were and how much they, uh, they matched kind of my like head, uh, for what they, for what they looked on. But there, but it was also very useful in doing that kind of thing where, um, you're just little things I hadn't quite realized, right? Like, how do you account for the DR that comes for armor when a unit is specifically bracing for damage and reducing damage anyway, right? You know, like those little interactions that you don't think of until they come up in a play test. Um, so, uh, uh, I'm very, I'm very happy with these rules. Um, do you plan on using I'm, them in, uh, in Hell's Rebels? They are. These are going to be. I am. I am confident in these. Uh, in these rules, there's a couple of small changes. Um, I want to make rearranging the units easier. Rearranging used to cause all, cost all of your movement points for the round, um, which so which kind of had the effect of like. Um, you would. The, my my intention was you get into combat and then you spend your movement points to rearrange, uh, to make yourself a more you know to like try and, you know, snake around someone's flank or something like that kind of stuff. I do have to change the flanking rules because the original way I wrote them was just kind of wrong-headed um, as I, like, looked at it in in practice. Um, but, uh, but, I, but the, you know, the way the damage works, that armor works, that, uh, you know, each of the units having a passive and an active. Uh, I also think uncoupling myself from those kind of generalized classes that I had was a very smart move. At this point, uh, what it looks like is there's essentially, you know, the arc of uh, of book three is going out into Ravenel, uh, like the Ravenel countryside, and recruiting these different factions to serve in your army. Um, and so the way that that looks in in the mechanics of the game, um, and this will be explained on the very first session of Hell's Rebels. So you know, I, I don't mind giving the sneak preview out to any of our players who are who are listening to the podcast is. You need to, first. You need to secure benefactors in order to get extra army slots, right? Um, so you need to curry favor with rich people, essentially, in order to make it so that your army can support three, four, five units. Um, 
uh, and then you you dynamically fill those slots. So when I recruit, uh, let's just say I recruit the hypothetical faction of uh, musketeers, right? When I recruit the musketeers, maybe there's a version of the musketeers that are like a like a long range artillery kind of siege weapony. Um, uh, range unit that's like doing bombard damage from afar and then maybe there's a unit of musketeers that acts like you know uh, a kind of like a contingent of red coats or whatever where you make a big firing line right um but all of the factions they each unit will share at least one ability so no matter what and th and that like plays around the thematics i know I, i'm really happy with kind of how this stuff uh has all worked out i'm really 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 excited to kind of debut this for uh for the players because book three is really the thing that sold me on hell's rebels right the thing that i looked at and i was like oh man i'm gonna have some hardcore fun with this and so now that we're kind of here i uh i i'm really excited to let loose well it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun i'm, I'm hey. excited to see it um but yeah did you did you uh did you play anything else this week? Shit, did I play anything else this week? I've been playing a lot of, like, Everwing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I finally beat your high score this morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, it actually, it, like, displays your high score now in the top left corner, which, uh, which I thought was super aggravating at first, but it was actually also, like... Like, when it got down to it and I was approaching that number, which was, like, 3283, like, 3,283 or whatever, uh, I I was, like, I was like really hardcore, like, please, kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, uh -huh. My biggest problem with that game so far has been, uh, like, I'm at the point where the only thing left for, left for me to buy is rare eggs. I'm just having trouble keeping track of them all. Wait, did you buy Did you buy the last one? Yep. The, you, you have all of the people? Yep. Oh, okay. I have to level I, up to uh, 50, but... Um, I just bought Aurora and leveled her up to 50, uh, but uh, I, so my, my, like, personal thing is that I don't want anyone going on a quest without a dragon to level, right? Which means that I have to dump a lot into fresh dragon's eggs, um, so, but, so, yeah, I have, like, I, my, a million fucking fresh-ass dragons. My, my dragons have, uh, have far outpaced my, my, my leveling capacity, um, there's just so many, like, Part of the reason I bought the last character was because I ran out. Like, I was just like, I don't want to buy any more dragons. There's just so many of them. And I'm losing track of what kind of... Because I'm doing, I'm doing the I won't evolve dragons until they have Zodiac matches at the moment. So, um, it's just like a lot of stuff to keep track of. And it's not a very good interface for it. Um, but, you know, it comes and goes. Yeah. Um, I, th this game is a very perfect... I would really shit on this game if it was anything but, you know, like a, a mobile Facebook messenger. game. Yeah. yeah, like a Facebook game. Uh, the one uh, the one game from those that I think of as actually being really good is Hexer. In fact, the thing that made me revisit the Hex idea for uh, mass combat was Hexer. Oh, nice. Uh, because I was, I was playing I was playing Hexer. I still have a high score on Hexer with 50,000 points, um, uh, which I'm very proud of. But I, 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 I don't know. For some reason, Hexer feels very good to go back to. Uh, when some of the other games, uh, you know, like I did like Connect 20 the other day or the one where like you pop the you pop the groupings of blocks and and then it constantly adds like more colors or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I like testing out these different ones to kind of, you know, these like the new ones that they're constantly adding. But 
Uh, yeah. yeah. They're all kind of like, at least most of them are, are classic Flash games. They're just kind of, you know, and now you have a high score metric in, in, in Messenger, which is kind of brilliant on Facebook's part, right? Like It really is. <laughs> these games that I used to play, like, in class when I was bored and didn't want to, like, you know, pay attention are now games that I can compete with my friends with, you know, get scores on, so I can do it at work when I don't want to pay attention. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a lie. I only work at work. I never don't work at work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we have come to uh, we have come to uh, the end, I think, of our special Christmas Eve podcast. Uh, yeah. Is there anything uh, you know? Is there anything we need to we need to pimp? Uh, just the normal stuff, I think. Um, if you want to email us about what you think about Heroes of the Storm or Crusader Kings 2 or EU4 or Christmas, you can email us at somedervisplaygames at gmail.com. You can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash somedervisplaygames. You can uh, like, comment, and subscribe on all the various places. We've got a YouTube channel, a SoundCloud channel. We're on iTunes. We're on um, a Google Play Store, whatever. Send us your love. We, we want it. Um, do you have anything you wanted to pimp, buddy? No. I'm good. Uh. Well, in that case, uh, I guess it's until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.